The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, striving as always to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Now, this is a special pre-recorded program, which means, unfortunately, we will not be able to take your questions live today, but it is a topic that you almost can't know enough about because today we are going to talk about protecting your assets and using entities to do other cool things in your business like, you know, save you taxes. My guest today is Bill Bronchick, who's been practicing law and investing in real estate since the early 1990s. He's got a best-selling book out called Flipping Properties and uh, has had a lot of kudos from a lot of media sources, including the Chicago Tribune, who named his book one of the best real estate books of the year. So joining us from his home in Colorado is Bill Bronchick. Bill, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you, Vian. It's my pleasure to be here. And it's my pleasure to have you here. I know we're going to see you in a few weeks here in Cincinnati at the National Real Estate Strategies Summit, where... Uh, you're going to be expanding on some of what we're, we'll be able to talk today in, about today in the short time that we have together. Uh, you know, I put a uh, thing on my Facebook page that said, you know, I'm I'm really thrilled to be interviewing Bill Bronchick about asset protection. And some smart aleck jumped on and said, yeah, that's just landlords trying to be slumlords without anybody being able to catch them at it or sue them or find them or anything like that. And <laughs> so, sometimes I think that, that like the public, when, when they see that, that we own our properties in LLCs and land trusts and things, they assume that what we are trying to do is somehow like do bad stuff and not get in trouble for it. And that's really not what asset protection is about or what it, what it even does for you, right? That's correct. And the reality is it, it, it won't probably protect you if you're engaging in illegal or fraudulent behavior anyway. Uh, it's typically protection for the person who... Um, you know, just inadvertently messes up, doesn't know about a particular law, 
had a contractor do something wrong or, or an employee or something like that and just made a mistake, I mean, that'll protect you. But if you're engaging in outright illegal contact, uh, uh, um, um, concepts and, and activities, you, you're, you're just going to get hammered by a judge either way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it's, not, it's not for the slumlord who's trying to protect himself by skirting the law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that happen in in a real estate business and particularly if you own properties and have tenants and things like that uh that we worry about getting sued over things like personal injury you know that that happens you know tenants will fall down on your property and hurt themselves is really protected by insurance rather than the fact that you happen to own the property in some entity or another so why do real estate folks worry so much about having entities, having the right entities, owning their properties and entities, all of that sort of thing? Well, the first thing is insurance doesn't cover everything. Uh, my first job out of law school was working for an insurance company defense firm defending insurance claims, and one of the favorite things we'd love to do is deny claims. Typically what happens is there's a minor injury to a tenant or an occupier or a guest and what happens is the landlord doesn't say anything to his insurance company because he's afraid his rates might go up then he gets sued two or three years later by you know some frivolous attorney trying to milk them for an insurance settlement calls up his insurance company and the insurance company says we won't cover it because you were supposed to tell us about the event that might lead to a lawsuit so in that case, uh, you wouldn't have coverage. And, and many other exclusions, you know, intentional acts like discrimination, uh, lead-based claims, mold, a lot of things are just not covered by an insurance policy, or you might not have enough coverage. So insurance is good to have, have lots of it, but I wouldn't sleep at night knowing that's all I had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the concept, and, and, and we'll talk a little bit later about you know, some specific entities and and what they do and so on. But conceptually, I want to own properties in an entity or I want to do business in an entity, meaning, you know, perhaps I'm retailing properties, I'm buying notes, I'm wholesaling, whatever. Uh, For for what reason? What is it? What is it that having the business or the properties in the box of the entity does for me? Well, it does several things. It will give you liability protection in case of a potential lawsuit. It will give you, a lot of times, tax benefits, depending on how you set it up. It gives you uh, a continuation of the business. See, when you die and you own a business in your own name, your business is dissolved. So if you wanted to leave your business to your children or your grandchildren or other relatives, the business doesn't die. It goes on and continues on as a legacy behind you. So there's many reasons why you would want to use a business entity rather than doing business in your own name. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm talking today to Bill Bronche. That's a name that's going to be familiar to a lot of you because Bill writes an enormous amount of articles and <laughs> does does videos and you see him out on the internet uh, and so on under his uh, website legalwiz.com and we're going to talk today about one of his several areas we're talking today about one of his several areas of expertise which is 
entities. And uh, Bill, one thing that I want to sort of um, get put aside before we take our first break here is land trusts, because yeah, folks, folks sort of, folks sort of say corporation, LLC, limited partner, and land trust all in the same breath. As if they were, as if they were truly comparable things. Can you talk a little bit about land trusts and how they how they are different than what we would normally call an entity? That's correct. Yes, a land trust, um, like a living trust, is not an entity that files with the state. It doesn't have a tax ID number. Doesn't file a tax return. A land trust is an arrangement. It's a contract between parties. And you're probably familiar with some of the terms you may have heard before. Trustee, that's the one who's in charge. Uh, and then beneficiary, uh, for whose benefit the, uh, the trust property is held. So the reason we use a land trust is to create a layer of anonymity of the r- real owners. Because if it's an LLC that owns it, you could look that up on the Secretary of State website. It's public information. And uh, have a tenant show up at your house or find you. Uh, to complain about uh, you know something with their property, where the land trust has no public place that it's recorded, so there's that layer of privacy between you and the business assets that you own. Now, it's not exclusive. It's not instead of an LLC. We can layer it with a land trust owning the property, and then let's say an LLC or corporate other corporate entity being the beneficiary. It doesn't have to be a person. Uh, but it's it's not one or the other. It's typically both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we won't we won't spend a ton of time today on land trust. But for folks out there who think, well, golly, all I have to do is put my property in a land trust and then I am protected. Uh, the, not so. <laughs> and you should probably uh, check on check with the uh, uh, your attorney before you uh, to undertake an asset p- protection plan that involves just hiding all your stuff with land trusts. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about entities for various businesses. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Bill Bronchick, who is going to be one of the 18 featured speakers at the National Real Estate Strategy Summit here in Cincinnati on November 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, that is filling up fast. As of today, we have over 550 people registered, expecting 700 to 750, and time's kind of running out here. Uh, We actually do have one, 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 more than zero, but less than two remaining packages available to you for a pledge to WMKV. It is for all four days for you and a partner. You need to uh, go and grab it off of the website at WMKVFM.org. It's right at the front. It'll be very obvious to you when you get there. Uh, that is at a price that is discounted about uh, 90 bucks over what everybody else is paying online and at their real estate associations and so on. And uh, if you happen to be listening to this on the podcast and you see it later and you go to the site and you don't see the package up there, that's because it's gone. But you might as well give it a try. WMKVFM.org. Your entire pledge for the event goes to Public Radio WMKV and 
it's incredibly inexpensive. It's I don't even remember what the package price is, but it's under 200 bucks. I know. So really, really good deal for four days with 18 top experts and 700 of your favorite real estate investor friends from all over the country. Uh, now, Bill, the um, the most common question that I'm sure you get, I mean, I, I hear this all the time when, when you say, oh, you know, you really need to be doing business in an entity is what entity? Right. And that's I know that's a little bit like that question. How do I get started? <laughs> you know, the answer is it depends. <laughs> right. 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 The lawyer answer. Is <laughs> so, right. so um, typically the choice of uh, corporation, LLC, limited partnership is usually a tax issue because there's different types of income in real estate. There's what's called passive income, like rental income. Uh, taking interest on a note, capital gains. That's all considered uh, in the basket of passively earned income. It's taxed a certain way. Uh, Then you have what's called ordinary or earned income, which is when you wholesale or flip houses. That's more like uh, a 1099 or W-2 type income, uh, which is taxed differently than passive income. So the choice of entity will depend on what your primary activities are. And many investors who do the wide range of uh, investing end up having more than one entity that they do their business in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the folks who really, really need to get on this entity thing right away if they have not already and that's the landlords right uh, it, you know i find it i find it shocking when i meet somebody who's got you know even even one or two but i meet people who've got 40 and 50 rental properties and they own right. every single one of them personally in their own name and after I'm, after i'm done stuttering <laughs> you know i say <laughs> get get thee to an attorney and get those things moved uh, what is uh, what is generally the entity recommendation for somebody like that? Typically, uh, for rental properties, it's going to be one or more LLCs. And I say one or more because one of the exceptions to liability in an LLC, the liability protection, is you you can lose what your company owns. So if you own property in an LLC, you protect yourself personally in your personal assets, but you don't protect the company's assets. So if the company had, like you said, 40 properties, and any one of those properties caused a liability for the company, then a plaintiff could go after all the properties. So if you had a substantial number of properties, you would probably want to split up the basket uh, and so you don't have all your eggs in one basket. Um, how many you know, per, per basket? Well, uh, you know, one property per LLC is probably overkill. And, um, you know, 15 or 20 properties is probably not enough. It's going to be a function of how much you like bookkeeping, separate bank accounts, and the cost of filing separate tax returns. So uh, this is something you're going to have to discuss with your attorney and or tax advisor to see which is appropriate for your situation. Mm-hmm. So you're not a believer in this thing that's been kind of um it's been it's been a a a hot topic primarily from the front of seminar rooms for about the last 10 years which is every property has its own individual LLC and then there's a master LLC on top of all the individual LLCs and <laughs> 
I do I do like the idea of layering um, um, with what we call parent and subsidiary companies for tax purposes, so you don't have to file multiple tax returns. But I I, I really think one property per LLC is overkill. It, it it's just too much work. Um, it's too expensive. Now, if we're talking about an apartment building, yeah, an apartment building that has 20 units might have its own sole LLC. But just a little rinky-dink house uh, that you know is worth $100,000, $150,000, there'd be no reason to have one LLC per property. That's just overkill. So whenever I – I mean, so, so there, there, are, there are attorneys who – will set up folks asset protection for them and you know our, our local people and so on and then there are attorneys and and legal firms that actually like uh travel around the country and uh sell packages of you know it's not it's not education it's not like what you do which is l- let me tell you what your options are and tell you how to go about doing these it's more let us set up your entire whatever for you and it's those folks who tend to be pushing that idea of well, what you really need is, you know, nineteen LLCs, a master LLC, a Nevada corporation, an offshore trust, etc. And I always, I always sort of like to warn uh, people who hear those kinds of lectures that they maybe I don't want to take them with a grain of salt because there's some, there's such a thing as overkill when you have. 13 properties with $200,000 worth of equity in them and it's going to cost you $25,000 to set up the the, the thing that's being suggested to you. Right. You have to balance the ideal scenario of protection with the reality of operating it because it Every entity has a filing fee, an annual fee, a set of books, a bank account. So how crazy do you want to get with this? You know, you could take it to the nth degree or you could do something that's, you know, manageable but still gives you uh, um, um, the, the protection that you need. Not perfect, but certainly better than leaving it all in your own name and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And and actually, I've seen, you know, the multiple entity thing blow up in people's faces. They go up in front of a judge, and, uh, you know, the plaintiff is arguing, judge, he's got 10 properties, 10 LLCs, but it's all him. He owns it all, so we want all 10 properties. And the the landlord argues, no, judge, they only get this one property that's owned by this one LLC. Well, you're not giving the judge a lot of options here. He's going to say, well, I give him one, it's not enough. I give him all, it may not be fair. There's nothing in between. Mm-hmm. So when you say I have ten properties and I have four LLCs or three LLCs, you might lose a little more than one property, but you're giving the judge something he can live with. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes. You don't sense. want to get too cute with this. That's the point. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. And where do you fall, by the way, on the having an having an entity outside of the state where you operate? In other words, uh, you know, the 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 one that everybody hears about is the Nevada Corporation. Although I've also heard. Delaware, Wyoming, you know, offshore, yada da da da. Does that does that setup ever make sense for a real estate entrepreneur? Very, very few circumstances where that makes sense. Um, in most cases, you want to incorporate in the state in which you primarily do business. Now, there are, there are benefits to incorporating in other states like Delaware and Nevada. Um, 
if, for example, you're going to have multiple partners and you're the one in charge and you have potential liability for that, um, Delaware is a good state to incorporate it because it limits your liability as the uh, you know as a as an officer director manager of the company, um, and then you can register it as a foreign company in the state in which you do business. Um, outside of that, there's 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 usually not a great reason to incorporate in Nevada or Delaware or White. Now they're pushing Wyoming and Utah. You know, the people who push it are making money because they're charging fees and annual fees to to operate it and run it. But the 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 cost is more and the benefit is very little, if any. What do you say to the folks who've already got sucked into it? <laughs> I know I know you've met them. I've, I'm I've really met them. Sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry, is what I tell them. The bad news is that you should probably dissolve it and just reform it with the same name in your home state because i mean for example nevada is a very expensive state it can cost you you know four to five hundred bucks to set it up and you know three to four hundred dollars a year depending on you know what kind of package they sell you well if you're going to incorporate in ohio ohio is relatively inexpensive and the filing fees and the annual fees are you know much less so and by the way if you had that Nevada company, you still have to register it to do business in Ohio and pay the fees anyway. So you're just doubling and tripling your fees by incorporating in Nevada in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're up to five, $600 a year just in fees to keep your uh, LLC alive, and then you also right. pay for the tax return <laughs> for right. it. That's right. You, you, you may have, you know, if you have, a, if you have a cheap leveraged rental property, you probably just sucked up your entire year's worth of positive <laughs> cash flow. Yeah, with, <laughs> with, with, some, with some crazy scheme that somebody cooked up. And the other, the other objection I have with that is um, there's no one-size-fits-all for anybody. Um, there are guidelines that what I'll teach. I'll say generally you want to do this, generally you want to do that. But, it, you know, when someone comes in and says, you need to have X, Y, and Z, and everybody needs to have it, is is usually bad advice because everybody's situation is different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about some potential entities for folks who are not landlords, the, the note buyers, the flippers, et cetera. Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Uh, talking today to Bill Bronchick in a special pre-recorded program, which is why you don't hear me giving out the phone numbers and and email address to answer, ask questions every couple of minutes here. I am uh, busily out on the road in these few weeks before the uh, OREA National New Strategy Summit, uh, talking to groups about it and giving lectures about it and so on. And unfortunately, that uh, interrupts my volunteer radio time sometimes. So we've done pre-recorded programs a couple of weeks in a row here. We will do a question and answer week to catch up with everybody's questions in a couple of weeks. Um, or you can, of course, come to the event and then I'll be there and I can just answer your, all the questions. And Bill will be there and all the other folks you've heard over the last few weeks and months will be there as well. Uh, again, you can get the last seat that's available uh, through WMKV. I mean, there's still seats available, but there's only one still available through WMKV so that you get the double pleasure of both doing something great for your real estate business and also contributing to public radio at WMKVFM.org. 
so, Bill, the, the landlords need to get on this ASAP. It's, I mean, they, they, you put yourself in pretty huge danger. I mean, I, I, again, perspective, right? What we're protecting against here is a lightning strike, a, a bad thing that happens that doesn't happen to everybody and doesn't happen all the time. But when it does, it's devastating. And it can be super devastating if you own all of your stuff in the same big pot, which is your name. And the landlords out there who already know this, they've heard it a million times and they still haven't done anything about it, should just turn off the radio and go call their attorney. (laughs) (laughs) Well, CYA doesn't mean call your attorney. (laughs) CYA means cover your you-know-why. You know, uh, the problem is the landlords who've been doing this a long time and they they collect cash on their own. You know, they they knock on doors. They they keep everything in a in a in a physical ledger book that they write notes in. Um, it's hard to get someone like that to change what they've been doing because now they have to keep records and maybe use a computer program like QuickBooks. And uh, it's it's hard to get someone like that to change. But it's it's not it's a necessary thing. You know, the risk of of something going wrong, getting audited or sued or uh, divorce is uh, is very real. I mean, uh, odds are you know, things won't happen, but the, that's why people buy insurance because you prepare for the catastrophic what if. And uh, it's easier, particularly if you're just starting out. It's easier to do it from the from the ground up than to go back and do it later. It's like a like a house. You know, you build your foundation first. You don't build it afterwards. So if you're just getting started, you only have a couple of properties. Much easier to start out that way. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, though, who is running a business of any sort needs to be thinking ab- along the lines of uh, through what entity should I be running this business, even if that business is something like wholesaling. I mean, you know, whole- right. wholesalers sort of sort of go along the go along with, with the theory that my deals come and go. Right. I, I never have anything long enough to for it to become a risk for me. But that's where you got we, we get into what you talked about at the beginning of the program, which is tax benefits, like the ability to to do all that and legally pay less taxes on it uh, for a business that is uh, some kind of a buy sell business, an inventory business like wholesaling or retailing. Generally, what sort of entity are folks going to be looking at? Well, the challenge with with that type of income is it's ordinary or earned, which means you're going to pay not only state and federal income tax, you're going to pay FICA, self-employment tax, if you're doing it on your own return. And some people use an LLC for that, but they, they do it where they're the sole member and they're just reporting it on their Schedule C, which doesn't benefit you. You're still paying that self-employment tax. Generally, uh, the idea is if you're going to spend all the money you make from the activity of of wholesaling or flipping, then you want to go with an S-corporation. Now, when I say an S-corporation, I mean there's two ways to do an S-corporation now. You can do a regular corporation and then file it as an S, or you can form an LLC that is electing to be taxed as an S-corporation. Remember, LLCs don't have their own tax return. You have to choose uh, with the IRS how you want to be treated for tax purposes. And most people go with what's called the disregarded option, which means they report on Schedule C of their personal return rather than going with the S election, which will save you all, you know, not all, but a good chunk of that uh, self-employment tax. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
there are uh, wholesalers and retailers that I know who have gone to their CPA, gone to their attorney and asked about the possibility of, of getting a, uh, uh, a corporation of some sort. And what they're told is, oh, it's not going to make any difference. You get the same write-offs whether you put it on your Schedule C or don't put it on your Schedule C. And, uh, you know, re- really you're just spending extra money and filing an extra return for for nothing. So in what way does the corporation help me save taxes if I can still write off my gas and my postcards and my, you know, education and all of those things on my, on my personal return. Well, there's two, there's two things that you should keep in mind. One is the audit rate on a Schedule C, a personal return, is substantially higher than, let's say, an S corporation with the same amount of income. So right off the bat, I mean, if you're going to get aggressive, I don't mean take things you're not supposed to take, but, you know, be aggressive, meaning you're going to work in uh, the what we call the gray area, which a lot of accountants are, uh, are certainly for. Um, you want to do it in an entity that's less likely to get audited, and you have to argue with the IRS, uh, even if you're doing everything above board. The other thing, again, you can, you can deduct all those same things, whether it's, a, a, you know, an S-corp or an individual return, but it's that FICA tax. It's that self-employment tax, 15.3% of your earned income. And when you do it in an S-corp, you can eliminate not all, but a pretty big chunk. So if you think about, you know, if you're going to make a net income of $100,000 and have a good year, that's fifteen grand in, in, in self-employment tax, you know, where they take it away from you, they put it in a little fund somewhere in the government, and someday you'll get it back in Social Security. You're right. Uh, most people would prefer not to pay that. They prefer to keep the money themselves, and that's why the S-Corp really gives a big advantage over the personal return. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and again, I mean, this is this is a discussion that you need to have with your CPA because mm-hmm. uh, your your CPA who actually understands your real estate business, which is no, of <laughs> not all of them, uh, because when when I found out what you are now telling everybody uh, and started doing part of my uh, you know, my first thought was I'm just going to make it all distributions, right? I'm just going to 100% take all of the income out as if I were a stockholder, and then I will pay zero self-employment tax. And my right. CPA very quickly straightened me out on that. <laughs> right, you can't get too greedy about that. You know, you have to be, you have to take some salary, some of the FICA tax. Yeah, uh, but still, but if you, if you, if you took. 20% of your profit as salary and 80%, uh, like you said, as a dividend, that's 80% reduction in the uh, in the self-employment tax that you'd normally pay as an individual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was that was a, a very um, that was a very good thing for me to find out. <laughs> Let me just say that yeah. it saved the first year I started doing that. It saved me a lot, a lot, a lot of income taxes. And uh, I find, Bill, and I'm sure you do too, that it's it's much better for someone who is considering these things, thinking about these things, to educate themselves on it first and then go talk to their professionals because sometimes the professionals try and scoot you into a niche that might work for another business but isn't going to really be the best thing for a real estate business. Sometimes, honestly, they have no idea what you're talking about, and they end up creating. And that's a shame. 
Yeah, yeah. And they, <laughs> you don't want to pay to, an attorney uh, to educate himself on your on your dime, yep. basically. And, and unfortunately, um, believe it or not, most attorneys are not up on tax rules. They, they, they'll form an entity for you, a corporation LLC, but then, then they'll say, well, talk to your accountant about how you want to be taxed. Uh, I am one of the few attorneys that I know who knows not only how to form an entity, but which entity is appropriate because I, I know the tax rules about real estate in and out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, it, unfortunately a lot of uh, folks who are getting into the real estate business or even who've been in it for a while and then decide maybe I should do this entity thing everyone's been talking about uh, because they are not aware of some of the things you're talking about when their attorney, they, they get you know, scared of those professionals. They get, they're, they're intimidated. <laughs> they're intimidated by their attorney right. and they kind of do whatever the attorney says. And then when some, it's only when something goes wrong that you find out that it was wrong. Right. So, right. <laughs> and then it's right. too well, late to fix up, it. They end up doing what, uh, you know, using those online services, which, you know, they're okay, but they're usually pretty generic in their forms and, and not tailored specifically to your business. Um, so, and, and not cheap either. They, they, these, these companies that are online, I'm not going to mention any names, but we know who we're talking about. Um, they, they tease you up front with a low fee, but when the, by the time you get what you need, like your tax ID number and all the documents and everything, you know, it's five or $600, and by, by the time you're up in that range, uh, you can pay an attorney to do it. Mm-hmm. And an attorney can give you legal advice. Those those websites, the first thing you say is, we can't give you legal advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. We need to take one last break here. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, some of the common questions that folks have about entities. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to attorney and real estate investor and author and speaker, Bill Bronchick, about just asset protection type stuff. And uh, you want to learn more about this, come to the OREA conference that's coming up in Cincinnati on the 5th through the 8th of November, because Bill has two presentations that he's doing during that conference, and uh, he's, he'll be able to sort of fill in some of the blanks that we may be leaving in the shorter time that we have together here. Um, common common question concern with new investors. When do I form my entity? Before you make your first offer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because you can sign a contract now, and then say, okay, now I've got some money and I'll form my corporation later. Um, and then what's called the statute of limitations, the time in which someone can sue you, is many, many, many years later, depending on which state you're in. could be as much as six years uh, for something that you did way back when. Uh, just as an example, I owned an apartment building that I bought in my own name, which you know is not a good idea, but I was going to transfer ownership to an LLC and a land trust and all that. And I got lazy. And I said, I'll do it next week, I'll do it next month. And it took me almost six months before I got around to it. Well, I got sued four and a half years later for uh, an alleged incident where a baby fell out of a screen, you know, pushed a screen door, uh, window and fell out and cracked her skull on the sidewalk. Um, and it happened during that first six months that I owned it in my own name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got sued in my own name, and that was not pretty. You know, so I could tell you from experience, um, 
don't wait. Don't wait. You know, do it as soon as you can possibly do it. It's a necessary business expense, and it's not terribly expensive to do, and it's worth it. Okay. Uh, so before you write your first offer, but after you've decided you're serious, this is not. <laughs> this is not right because. Right, because once you start your business, then then things become deductible. Uh, if you if you're in the business, then education is deductible. If you're just exploring the business, your education is not deductible. Um, so your travel is deductible if you're in the business and your company sends you to you know the OREA conference. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. the, the the earlier you start your business, the more you could start deducting things being in the business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, though, this is not this is not part of part of getting ready to get ready. I mean, mm-hmm. there's 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 tons of folks who uh, honestly use setting up their entity and 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 getting the money to set up their entity, getting the attorney who will set up their entity, et cetera, et cetera, as a procrastination technique. Right? It's. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I can't actually talk to any sellers until I have an LLC. Well, I don't think you can go that far. I mean, you could start (laughs) learning neighborhoods. You could start, you know, reading books and meeting people and, you know, researching uh, uh, neighborhoods. You can do all that all at the same time. Uh, But by the time you make your first offer, you're probably going to have to learn a little bit about what an offer should be. Uh, so during that time period, whether it be you know a week, two weeks, three weeks, maybe a month, um, it doesn't take that long to set up an LLC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very they're very quick. At least here in Ohio, yeah, <laughs> you, you can have like you can have like a name reserved and the the fee in and the okay by the Secretary of State in like three to five days. I mean, it is extremely right, right. extremely most, quick. Yeah, most states it's a week or less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here's another really common question. I'm, I'm, I know everything I'm ask you, asking you, you've heard a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought a rental property in my LLC, and now I want to refinance it. And the bank is telling me that I have to take it out of the LLC in order to do that, because that's you know that's just that's a practical truth mm-hmm. of the of the conventional financing market right now. What should I do? Well, it depends on the lender you're going to. If you're going with a typical conforming Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan, that's just the rules. That's their money, their rules. If you go to a local commercial bank uh, or what's called a portfolio lender or even sometimes credit unions, they'll allow you to keep it in the LLC. They're going to make you you know, sign personally on the promissory note, but they'll let you leave it in the company without having to take it out and then put it back in, which is annoying but um sometimes necessary to do mm-hmm. what so so ideally you find a portfolio lender i mean that's the that's the yeah. that's the well, perfect ideally situation you get a seller to carry the financing so well sure <laughs> sure absolutely that's 100 yeah, percent agreed but, you know, <laughs> but the worst case scenario you have to go borrow from a bank um your local commercial lender or a, uh, a credit union or something like that, they'll generally let you leave it in the LLC and just finance it in the LLC, but with your personal guarantee on the loan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what is the potential outcome if I do what most people do? Because, I mean, let's face it, as much as we like to complain about banks and how investor-unfriendly they are right now, they have mm-hmm. some good rates. 
they do. That's some good rates. Oh my gosh, I would I would go refi every house I had at four and a half percent if I didn't already have too many loans and they wouldn't do it for me. <laughs> I um, know what you mean. <laughs> so so what are what are what are the potential outcomes if I do what most people do, which is I have my property, I have my rental in my LLC like I'm supposed to. I take it out for the purpose of refinancing it, and then I move it back in after three or four months. Well, the the downside is twofold. One, it, by some fluke, you get sued while it's in your name. You know, during that one week period, uh, more likely if you get lazy and you wait six months like I did, then you're risking you know potential personal liability. Uh, the other thing is, is there's a paper trail. Um, so if you're trying to keep an anonymity, uh, you're going to spoil that a little bit by transferring it into your own name. Uh, and the third thing is, depending on what part of the country you are, there's significant transfer taxes on a deed. Um, I don't believe Ohio is one of those states, but, uh, for example, like New York and Pennsylvania, you could pay 3% of the value of the property as a transfer tax, and that's a big ouch. Mm-hmm. So it could be expensive to do that. Um, so, you know, it, it, you have to weigh the cost versus the benefit. How how important is that loan you're getting versus giving up what, what we just discussed? Mm-hmm. All right. So we've got about two minutes left, and I you you have now been investing yourself and also working doing legal work for investors and also teaching investors about how how these entities fit together and so on for many many years now. What is the one thing that you wish that people knew <laughs> that they kind of just consistently don't seem to know? Like, what is the what is the biggest? If you could make everybody understand something, what would that thing be? Oh, that, that would be easy. They they have to keep and maintain the internal documentation of their company. M- many people have figured out it's easy to go online with a with a state secretary of state website and file what's called the articles you know that's the filing with the state and that's all they do they get it they they don't build the documents that are necessary to have a legal company so in a, in a corporation you have bylaws and minutes and stock certificates in an LLC you have what's called an operating agreement and minutes and resolutions um, you know it sounds very difficult and legalistic but frankly they're 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 boilerplate templates that would take you probably an hour a year uh, to, to build in your in your books, and then they wait till they get sued or audited, and the court or the IRS may disregard the entity and say didn't run like one, so we're not going to treat it like one. Mm-hmm. And so you end up getting hit for a big tax or getting hit personally in a lawsuit. Yeah, and let's face it, uh, real estate entrepreneurs as a whole are not great with paperwork. No matter how you <laughs> look at that paperwork, you know con- contracts, right. entities, etc. So, uh, great idea to uh, get a hold of some template documents for that sort of thing and a and a system right. that makes you understand how it works. We are out of time on real life real estate investing. Again, you can see Bill Bronchick along with seventeen other top expert speakers. Coming up at the OREA convention in just a few weeks, go to wmkvfm.org to get a very special offer on that. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.